Well, good morning, everyone. If I look like Big Mike to you, you should have seen me when I was Big Mike. So uh, today I could be old Mike, I could be slim Mike, but big, I left. Hey, it's very good to be here. It's my second opportunity to preach to you. How come it took two years to get me back? I just want to know. Uh, now, for all of you, here, here's just one instruction from Big Mike before uh, I get started. This week, when you see Mikey, you tell him that's the best sermon you've heard all week, okay? So uh, just make sure he knows that. Maybe I'll get invited back a little quicker this coming year. All right, folks, I, I've got an idea. The best thing about being the guest preacher, I get to preach what I like. Uh, my church has heard this so many times, so you just get it. The reassuring touch of Jesus. You know, there's just something about touch. We all know that. Whenever I come in, I've tried to work the crowd today to speak to all of you. I'm not running for any office. That's not me. But I'm glad to get to see you. Now, some of you know I'm a hugger. I think there's um, something about the touch. Now, what about the touch of Jesus? It's a reassuring touch that we have. Let me, uh, I'm making a lot of noise here. Um, I guess I'm breathing too hard into this. But I want you to think about, no, I don't want the earpiece. That earpiece, now I know some of you probably think that really looks cool. That'd worry me to death. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm glad just to put this on. Please hold my hand. Remember whenever you were a child, now some of you probably have trouble remembering back that far, but remember when you were a child, you had uh, mom or dad or grandpa or grandma who were, was going to hold your hand. They were going to get a hold of your hand as you go across the street, and they wanted to make sure that they uh, had a good grip on you. Maybe it was during a crowd. There was a crowd of people, and they'd get a hold of you. They weren't going to let you get away walking together, however it might be. Those are pretty good memories. You probably resisted a little bit, but those are pretty good memories when we look back and think about Grandma holding our hand going across that street. Then it became your turn. And as your turn, what do you do? You did the same thing. You get to the street, you get hold of your kid's hand, and you're ready to go on, whatever it might be. I want to tell you a good story about Mikey. We were living in Florida, and uh, most churches, I hope you're not this way, but most churches, their plan for paying the preacher is, Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. So uh, we were in one of those type of churches, and they were keeping us poor. And uh, one of the elders that invited us out to eat, and they were taking us to a place called the Kapok Tree Inn. I don't know if anyone else ever remembers that. Was that in St. Pete or Tampa? St. Pete, I think. It was a big, fancy restaurant. <laughs> Preacher couldn't afford to go there. But anyway, we're there. The place is packed. The place is packed. And you're waiting your turn, and I'm trying to do the preacher thing and talk to the folks that had invited us. And Mikey's kind of running around there. I don't know where his sister was, but he's kind of running They call her name. I go over and pick Mikey up, and he goes, put me down, stranger. <laughs> right there in a crowded restaurant. I set that kid down. I just walked on in. I didn't care if he ate or not. <laughs> Finally, his mother went after him. I didn't pick him up. I didn't hold his hand for 20 years. <laughs> One weird kid. And you call him preacher. Put me down. Well, there's just something about that loving touch. <laughs> that loving touch is very reassuring, and we're very glad to have it at times. That love that only a parent can sometimes understand, a grandparent or someone that you really love very much. 
it's bonding. It's a bonding force. And it's all because of a very simple thing, a touch. Now, folks, I'd like for each of you today to think about the touch of Jesus on your life. And I want you to think about the reassuring touch. We live in a world that is in a mess. I don't know if anyone else has realized that, but we're in a mess. You seen the news last night? We're in a mess worldwide. It's not just related to a few of our communities. We're in a mess. And one of the things that we need today is a reassuring touch. This is all going to be okay. Let me give you some ideas of what I'm talking about. The reassuring touch whenever I'm uncomfortable. Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, it's one of my favorite passages. Here you're going to get the, the, the story of Peter walking on the water. Walking on the water. Now, I love Peter. Anyone who knows, if, if you had been in northern Kentucky the last 40 years, you'd know this is one of my favorite texts. I love the story of Peter walking on the water. First of all, Peter is my favorite apostle. I know everyone here thinks it's the apostle Paul. Peter's got something on the apostle Paul that no one else has ever done but him. Let's look at it. I want to uh, read just a little bit of it. We're going to start, where are we going to start at? We are going to start in verse 25 of this. So if you would like to turn to that, verse, verse 25, chapter 14. It's going to say um, this. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those that were in the boat worshipped him, saying that he is truly the Son of God. Peter gets out of the boat, folks. He gets out of the boat, and Jesus is there. He gets out of the boat, and Jesus is there. I see Peter as this rough and tough old sailor. I want you to think about his hands, the hands of Peter. He's pulled that fishing line. He's time and again been out there pulling in those nets. His hands are scarred and they're tough and they're calloused. They're not like mine. They're, they're, they're tough hands. Tough hands. You, you know men who have done tough physical work all their life and their, their hands are, are calloused and tough. That's Peter. Oh, what, what a guy. And he's worked so hard. Now, there's nothing eloquent about him, David. Uh, nothing eloquent about him. Nothing eloquent about this preacher either. But nothing eloquent about him. But I relate to him. Because I see him as a guy who's, he doesn't really fit, but he's given it his very best. Now, what's the difference between him and everybody else? Let's think about what's been going on. It's been pretty tough times. They've been busy. John the Baptist has been beheaded. Now, that's pretty traumatic. You're following Jesus. And in following Jesus, you're, you're thinking that there's something special about him. and you, you, you want to believe that he's the Son of God. You want to believe that he is the Messiah that we've been looking for. 
And now all of a sudden, John, that he's spoken so highly of, is killed by Herod. That's pretty traumatic. That's pretty difficult. But I'm still going to try to follow. Now, what else has been taking place? Well, there's been the feeding of the 5,000. Can you imagine what it was like for the apostles then? They've been listening to Jesus all day. It's just the 5,000 men. The women weren't counted. The children weren't counted. So there's a whole bunch of people there. And Jesus said, feed them. And those apostles have had to look at one another and say, What are you thinking? How are we going to do that? Jesus said, do it. There's been the, the rough waters. He sent them on ahead. If you read the first part of this in, in chapter 14, they've been busy. They've been doing all of this stuff that I've been telling you about. And Jesus has put them on a boat, and Jesus has gone into the mountain, and he's been praying. But now he, he's coming across the water to where the boat is, and the, the wind is buffeting against them. The waves is buffeting against them. Do you see what's taking place? They're in a very uncomfortable situation. Very, very uncomfortable situation. Now get this. Folks, sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone. And we Christians get too comfortable. We get in a comfort zone where we don't step out on faith. Instead, we we keep waiting. Well, show me. It's one of those, if it is you, Lord, show me. Tell me to get out of the boat. Well, folks, the Lord has sent me here today and I'm telling you, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. It's time that we realize that we have to get out of that boat. Whenever we step out of that comfort zone, whenever we have to step out because of Jesus, each of you have a comfort zone. If I was to ask where you eat, you'd tell me a restaurant. You wouldn't tell me half a dozen. We go to the same restaurant every Sunday. They might as well put my name on a booth because it knows I'm coming every Sunday. That's true of all of you as well. I bet every one of you buy gas at the same gas station. You shop at the same store. You watch the same programs every night. There's that special program coming on. I'd like to see that, but no, I can't, can't watch that because The Walking Dead's on during that time. Oh, well, man, we don't want to miss it. You kind of get the drift. We get in a comfort zone. Jesus is wanting us Christians out of our comfort zone, folks. That's why he said, get out of the boat. Now, what, what do I like about Peter more than the other apostles? How many of you know anyone else that ever walked on water besides Jesus and Peter? He's the only other human being that's ever done it. In fact, he's the only human being that's ever done it. Jesus was God in the flesh. And Peter got out of the boat. Now, everyone can say, well, he sunk. Yeah, but no one else got out. I've got out of the boat a few times, folks, and I sunk. Man, I went straight to the bottom. But you got to get out of the boat. You just can't always stay in that comfort zone. So the very first thing you have to see is that it's a reassuring touch whenever you're uncomfortable. He wants to make you uncomfortable too. You have to get out of the boat because of faith in Jesus. Now, how are you going to get out of the boat? Maybe you need to get out and have some public prayer. How many of you pray up front? And you say, oh, let's let the, the leaders do that. Well, maybe you need to be a leader. Get up and pray. How about a meditation? Getting up and giving a meditation. How about stepping out of the boat financially as the meditation was given? How about participating? How about having a vision? 
a vision for where Hartford Christian Church can be. Have you got a vision for where you want to be? Sometimes our plan is, well, we're going to meet next Sunday. No, no, how are we going to fill this building? Man, I'm so glad to see the house torn down that you all bought. Good stuff. Now, when are you going to do something with the lot? You know, it's time, folks. Uh, you, you got that over there. You got visibility right out there along the main road. Let's step out of the boat. Let's step out of the boat. Let's make things happen. Let's have that vision that every one of these pews ought to be filled. So, sometimes we get uncomfortable. That's what Jesus is going to do for us. He's going to get us out of our comfort zone. But, it's going to be Jesus who offers his hand and keeps you from sinking. It's going to be Jesus that doesn't let you go to the bottom. It's going to be Jesus that holds you up. It's going to be Jesus that whenever you think, man, I didn't do very good today. You know, folks, I may not do very good on this sermon today. But I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to talk about this. It's going to be Jesus that's going to remind me that this is why I was here. If, if you come for me to entertain you, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You know, I'm a minister. I'm not a preacher. So, got to get out of that comfort zone sometimes. The next thing that we're going to see, one of my second favorite scriptures... Is that reassuring touch whenever I have fears? Let's go back over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 8. Here's what it's going to, to tell us. Verses 23 through 27. Then he got into the uh, boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I want you to consider the reassuring touch whenever we have fears. The storm is furious, but Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is in the boat. Jesus and the apostles, once again, they've been having a very hectic schedule. Let me tell you what's been going on this time. There's been the sermons that he's been preaching. Over and again, he's been telling them about the kingdom of God is at hand. What a powerful sermon. He's been telling them all that's going to be coming. He's been teaching them lessons that may include the resurrection and and things in this order. He's been teaching them lessons of. But there's been sickness. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And Jesus would go. Now it's in-house. It's no longer as he ministering outside. Now he's ministering in-house. So he goes to Peter's mother-in-law and heals her. Then there's been the casting out of demons. All of that requires strength and energy. Now we've got to remember Jesus is God, but he's in the flesh. So he has fleshly limitations. His body gets tired. The apostles are human and they get tired. So they, they need some rest. And rest is being required. So they get into the boat and they're going to take a a leisurely cruise. No, not really. They're on their way to a new location. But there's an opportunity to take a break. But then all of a sudden when it looks like it's break time and all is going to go well, a furious storm will hit. Sometimes storms are unexpected, folks. The storms of life can be very frightening. And most of us have dealt with them. I want you to think about some of the storms of life that may be going on in your life. Or in someone's life that you know. We're living in a time where there's a lot of financial stress. 
I can think of many families that I know that have the storms of life with finances. Where I minister in the city, we have it all around us. We see the storms of life that is ravaging homes. And then often those homes are single-parent homes. You know how much trouble that is to make a living when you've got a single-parent home, three kids that you're trying to feed and clothe? Sometimes it can really be tough. Or the storms of life may come in illness. Sometimes we don't know when illness is going to strike. As Mike's told you, a year ago I had a, a massive heart attack. I had no idea that it was even coming. I went two and a half weeks before I decided to see a doctor. I didn't know it was coming, but it hit. It come. Sometimes it's just family issues. We are living in a time in history when family issues are overwhelming. Overwhelming. David works with it uh, across the river in that other state. All right? For all of us who are on the bluegrass, it's the other state. All right? He works over there with families that have issues. We see it all around, and I know you do as well. Those storms of life are frightening. Now, here, this ought to be in your bulletin. Sometimes a storm of life, though, rage on and on and on and on. We say, are they ever going to end? Folks, sometimes they don't. Now, everyone take note of that. Sometimes they don't. You may think that it's never going to have a break, and you may be right. We may live in countless fear. What's the fear that we have today? Well, sometimes your fears may be different. But in northern Kentucky, and I think it's pretty well true across the board, but in northern Kentucky, southern other state, our drug problem is off the charts. Our drug problem, if, if we don't have three or four deaths every night for overdoses, we've had a good week. That's frightening. That's frightening. I want you to think about it. Last year, I did 30 overdose funerals. Now, that's frightening. You need to be concerned. That's frightening. That's our world today. You know, one of the greatest fears of people that I work with is that evening phone call. I got a phone call. Mikey got the phone call, too. I got a phone call about two months ago from one of our local police departments. Three in the morning. Could you come out? We've got to go tell mom and dad that their child just overdosed and is gone. Fear that phone call, folks. Well, that's a very real fear, but there's other fears out there. Maybe it's the fear of a health issue that you've got. Maybe it's a fear that uh, something that is going on in your family. There's all those fears that we have to deal with. Maybe it's a fear of what your doctor's report's going to be. Now get this. What was taking place whenever the storm was raging and the apostles were afraid? Jesus was in the boat with them. All of your fears today, you need to realize we live in a tough world. But you're not in this boat alone. Jesus is in this boat with you. We need to realize that we're living in a time, I believe, the toughest time in history for the church that we've ever seen. I don't believe times have ever been quite as bad for the church. We're seeing our churches grow old and not necessarily being replenished with young. That's throughout the nation, folks. That's not just Hartford or Latonia. That's throughout the nation. It's a tough, tough time. But that doesn't mean that we quit. 
But what we have to realize is that Jesus is still in the boat. He hasn't gotten out. So whenever you're having those storms of life and it just seems like it's going to rage on and on and on forever and ever and ever, Jesus is in that boat with you. He's not going to be far away. Now maybe you need to go wake him up. That's what the apostles had to do. Maybe some of you need to wake Jesus up in your life. Or maybe it's you waking up that Jesus is still in the boat. But the truth of the matter, he's not far from us. The third thing I want to share with you on our reassuring touch is when I have those doubts. We're going to go over to Mark um, in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I love this story. Mark chapter 9, verses 7. Uh, chap- yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 32. I'm not going to use all of it. Let's go to verses 21 and 23. Through 23. Jesus asked the boy's father, let me tell you what's been taking place. Jesus has been on the Mount of Transfiguration. All right? Oh, man, what a time. Can you imagine what that had been like for the, the three that were with him? Peter, James, and John. Remember what he said? There's Peter again, my, my man Peter. He said, let us build some tents for you. Let us build some tabernacle. It was all over before Peter even knew what was taking place. Anyway, they've been on the Mount of Transfiguration. They've seen people. Now, I don't know if they were wearing name tags or how they worked that out, but if you note the Scripture says Peter knew who they were. So maybe it was one of those greeting greeting times here. Hi, my name is Mike. I, I doubt it, but you... Figure it out, however, if it says Moses on his shirt, then it must have been Moses. I don't know how that worked. I take a lot of stuff by faith. I hope you do as well. Anyway, they've been on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they've been coming down. Now, as they're coming down the mountain, what's taking place? Well, I can't help but say, think that Peter's saying, oh, man, this is good stuff. Good stuff. He can't wait. I can't wait to tell those other guys what we've seen. Yes, sir. I'm anxious to do it. And James and John, they're just being James and John tagging along. They're wanting to call down fire from heaven for something or other. But anyway, they're just tagging along. And Peter's all excited about it. So they get to the foot of the mountain. And now there seems to be a lot of disruption going on. Well, what's taking place? What's happening? We've just had a mountaintop experience. And now we get to the foot of the mountain and it's chaos. Has that ever happened to you? Where just all of a sudden you've had a mountaintop experience and before you get to the door someone said, holy mackerel, what happened? Yeah, well if you've ever preached, it's happened to you. Anyway, yeah, it's just part of life. It goes on. Well, all of that has transpired and taken place. So here, now let's go back to this. This is good stuff. Pay attention, good stuff. Jesus asked the boy's father. Now the boy has problems he's demon possessed and the boy's father has been there and the the apostles have not been able to cast this demon out now they've been with jesus what's wrong with them anyway they can't cast him out they're asleep in the boat i guess but anyway they can't cast him out so he answered how long has he been like this jesus Making an inquiry. How long has the boy been like this? From childhood, the father answered. It has often thrown him into fire and water to kill him. Now get this. This is underlined in my Bible. It should be in yours. Man, you talk about a father with a lot of nerve. Here's what he said to Jesus. 
But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Can you imagine turning to Jesus and saying, if you can? This guy walks on water. And now the Father's saying, if you can? This guy's asleep in the boat. And he gets up and speaks to the storm and it gets quiet. And the Father's saying, if you can? I like Jesus' answer. Jesus said, what do you mean if you can? No, he said, if you can. I put that, what do you matter in there? Uh, Jesus said, if you can. Everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible for him who believes. If you can, but Jesus can. Sometimes people want us to believe that being a Christian is all about victories and we never have failures. And if that's what you believe, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Being a Christian isn't always easy, folks. It's certainly not the easiest thing I've ever done. I've told my congregation for 40 years, I have to work at it. It doesn't come easy for me. I have to work at life. Life doesn't come easy for me. Ask Deb. She's been with me my whole life. It just doesn't come easy for me. Now, you ever seen those people where life just comes easy to them? You can tell that they're just going through on a sailboat. They're just floating through. Everything's happy. Everything's rosy. Everything's good. I don't like those kind of people. They're not real. Someone needs to put a hole in their boat. No, I don't mean that. Because you know they're not giving you the straight of it. Because we all have those days when we're saying, this isn't too easy. This isn't what it ought to be. And that's just about life. That's not about being a Christian. Sometimes being a Christian is just like that. We're not always going to win. We're not always going to be the winner. Sometimes we lose. Ever lost a Christian battle? Man, I've lost some. I've had families that I've worked on and thought I've got them right to the brink of decision and there they go. Yeah, all those hurt. So we start doubting our faith. Or we'll start doubting our own conversion. Well, maybe it didn't take with me. No wonder we have become uncomfortable and have fears. Because sometimes things just seem impossible. Just seem impossible. We all suffer doubts. But even when times are the toughest, Jesus is still there reaching out his hand. It's Jesus who's still saying, Yes, I can. It's Jesus who's saying, By faith, this can be done. It's Jesus who is telling us, get out of the boat. It's Jesus who is saying, not all fruit grows on the mountain. Sometimes it grows in the valley. It's Jesus who is telling us to make the most of this life, folks. So whenever we start making the most of this life, what are we going to see? Well, we're going to see that sometimes I'm uncomfortable. But Jesus reassures me of his touch. Or I'm going to see that sometimes I have fears. And Jesus gives me courage. And sometimes I'm going to see that I do have doubts. I would venture to say that every one of you in this audience today has had some matter that you've prayed about for years and years and years and years. I've had matters in my own life that I've prayed about for years and years and years. 
And sometimes I think I ought to put it on a recording and say, Lord, here it is. Listen. Because it's the same old stuff that I'm coming back to you about again and again and again. I need help. You ever go to God and just say, help. Sometimes we do. He's the God who takes those doubts away from us. Well, I want to close for you. I know some of you want me to. But I want to close for you. Folks, Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. We're going to use a psalm. I want you to go over to the 120th psalm. And verse 1. I call on the Lord in my distress. And He answers me. I call on the Lord in my distress. And He answers me. He gives me that reassuring touch. He helps me deal with my uncomfortable times. He helps me face my fears. He helps chase my doubts away. He didn't ask me to face anything alone, but He said He'd always be with me. That He'd be by my side. And there's times that I've looked and said, where are you? But He's always said He'd be there. And I've trusted that He is. Don't shut Jesus out, folks. Don't batten down the hatches and say the storm has come. It's time to open the windows and start bailing. It's time to have a vision. It's time to get out of the boat. It's time to come off the mountain. It's time to say, yes, we can. It's not time to hunker down. It's time to stand up. It's not time to say, maybe next year. It's time to say, right now. And I believe, and everyone please take note. You know, Mikey asked me to preach. I will tell you this. He gave me no instructions, no guidelines, so you got what you got. Uh, And I'm, I'm very thankful to be able to preach. I'm very thankful to have the opportunity. This is mine and Deb's 46th year at this. And I'm thankful for that opportunity. I'm blessed by it. We were 19 years old when we took our first church. You think you've had it tough, tough today. You ought to have been those poor people listening to me. Uh, so, uh, But I want to tell you this because I believe with all my heart. I come from a town. Well, I come from the country. But the town I went to school in was a town of about 4,000. Right? It has a very strong Christian church. And uh, it made an impact upon a, a boy that needed it. So, and the preacher did. The preacher more than the church. And I was very thankful for that. We are caught up in a world today that believes the only successful church is a megachurch. I don't know about you, but I think you're a megachurch for this size of town. So buckle down, dig in, make it happen. I believe you're the people to get it done. I believe you've got a, a minister that will help you accomplish it. I think you need to have a vision of where you want to be. Now, I want you to think about when you did all this remodeling years ago, remember the excitement that rushed throughout the church? You ever notice how whenever a church is doing something, at Latonia Christian, of course, I've been there so long, it just kind of goes my way. I'm pretty fortunate. We keep a project. Now, I don't believe in spending a lot of money we don't have. But we went 25 years and finally got the windows and the steeple and all that painted. Man, tenants went up. People saw we were doing something. We had to pour some new concrete. 
The neighbors noticed that we were doing something. We make a point to have our doors open every day. And we have a senior center and make sure there's cars on the parking lot where the people see the church is busy and doing things. In a community this size, anything that you're doing, like that house being torn down, that's one of the first things I notice when I come back to visit Mikey. Wow! You're sitting on a gold mine of opportunity. But you've got to have a vision. A vision. Get out of the boat. Come off the mountain. Yes, he can. When he got to the bottom of the mountain, it was the apostles who couldn't do it. It wasn't our God. Our God can do it. Will you all stand as we have our invitation?